All right. Tonight, we're going to talk about the faithful centurion. It's going to be awesome. So without further ado, I'm going to have one of our fellow LTCers come up and read the scripture for tonight. Aaliyah is coming down. So give it up. After he had finished all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. Now a centurion had a servant who was sick and at the point of death who was highly valued by him. When the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent to him elders of the Jews, asking him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly, saying, he is worthy to have you do this for him, for he loves our nation and he is the one who builds build us our synagogue. And Jesus went with them. When he was not far from the house, the centurion, centurion sent friends, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore, I did not presume to come to you, but say the word and let my servant be healed. For I too am a man, sorry, am a man ser, servant, wait, sorry under authority. When soldiers under me, I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him, and turning to the crowd that followed him, said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. And when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the servant well. Good job, Aaliyah. She's awesome. So uh, we're really uh, we're really excited for you guys to be here. Uh, so how are you guys really liking this series of looking at people that Jesus interacted with? You liking it? Yeah? You guys are getting to learn more and more about how Jesus as, was as a person. And this leads us to how we should be, actually, which is pretty cool. This is the great thing about the Bible. The Bible is such an amazing and unique book, distinct from any other book because it, it is the story of man betraying God and God loving man so much to redeem man through Jesus and the cross. That is the very abridged version of, uh, of the Bible. But uh, there is a supernatural reality about a present all throughout this great book. Um, the power of this book changes people more than any other book has ever had or will ever do. And so uh, I was reminded of this. Uh, I, I will always have this story in my mind as how the power of the Bible transforms people. I, I had bought a Chinese to English Bible at a half price books and um, in the hopes that I would meet a Chinese person and give it to them. So I, I went with the hope of that. And so I had the opportunity to meet um, this Chinese girl who I met a guy who brought this girl and I was like, okay. And so she um, got connected with a small group here at NMSU. And I had the privilege of, um, this was in fall of 2017. I had the privilege of one Thursday night, just like this, of handing her 
the Chinese to English Bible. And the reaction I got really surprised me. Um, it, and so I brought this Bible to her and her first reaction was crying. And it overwhelmed me. And I was like, and I had forgotten what, how the power of the Bible can transform and really like penetrate the hearts of men and women. And so I, that night will ever be ever present in my mind when I think of how great this Bible is. And I think we take, we take advantage of it, but it's great. And, um, the word of God is so powerful, not for its, the words it speaks, so to speak, but for who is in it. I hope tonight you will see and witness the power of God that comes to us through what we are talking about. We're, we are going to take a journey, take you guys on a journey into one of the most unique encounters that Jesus ever had. Uh, all right, so I'm going to ask for y'all's participation. Who here? is disciplined in time management. Raise your hand. Time management people? Got scheduled? All right, we get to see a few hands. Few hands wavering. So we, we, we have some things that we need to work on. Okay, all right. Um, who here is disciplined in studying? Raise your hands. Okay, all right. There's some hands. Work in progress for some. All right. Who here is a part of the military or family is in the military. Okay. See, yeah, that's awesome. Okay. So in the military, is it only part of your life that is disciplined or is it your whole life? Whole life, right? Your whole life is disciplined in the military. So we come to this centurion who has to be one of the most disciplined people in the known world at this time. Here are some of the qualifications for the centurion. The centurion had to be literate in that he had to read orders. He had to uh, have connections with people all over to get recommendations and that sort. He had to be at least 30 years old and have already served in the, uh, in the military for several years. The centurion of the, of the in, in the infantry is chosen for his size, strength, and dexterity in throwing his missile weapons, i.e. spears, and his skill for using his sword and shield. In short, for his expertness in all the exercises, he has to be vigilant, temperate, active, and readier to execute the orders uh, he receives than to talk. So he has to always be on guard. Strict in exercising and keeping up proper discipline among his soldiers and obliging them to appear clean and well-dressed and to have arms that are constantly rubbed and bright which is a very interesting Roman culture, cultural thing. So these men were the best and brightest leaders in the Roman world. They were chosen to lead others into battle against all the opponents that Rome wanted to crush. They were already battle-tested and, um, and had come out of killing many of Rome's uh, enemies and were highly thought of with their brothers in arms. So... Uh, these men were the best of the best. They were, um, and they knew how to fight and lead with skill uh, and successfully lead the people that were under them, which is crazy. The centurion, this centurion that we're talking about, 
on the other hand, is different from any other soldiers that we that you could actually think of because of um, and we are going to go break down and find out why he is so different. Are you all with me? Yeah. All right. So and we're going to find this out and we're going to find out how Jesus reacted. It is it is absolutely priceless, actually. So first of all, we get into the details of, of this meeting. I want to address this fact that um, whenever someone comes when, uh, in this culture, um, whenever someone comes uh, on behalf of someone like the centurion, it is as if it is the centurion that's coming. Also, we notice that the centurion really never met Jesus. So there's another interesting fact. So here's, uh, here's where, we, where we get into it. This centurion valued his servant. He valued the, this person that was under him, which in the Roman world is actually quite unique because you, got, you have this centurion and, and servants in the Roman culture were very um, abused, taken advantage of, that sort of thing. So this centurion actually really cared for his servant. So he loved, um, and then, uh, and we find out this centurion is desperate. He is desperate to cure this servant. So he is desperate enough to actually put his whole life and his whole job on the line to go find Jesus. So he sends, uh, he sends the Jewish, um, these Jewish people to go find him. And he sends his friends to go find him. Now, if we've read the Bible, we know that Jesus is the outcast. He is the, um, the person that is uh, the outcast in the Roman culture and outcast in the Jewish culture. So this Roman centurion goes and finds an outcast. And so, um, and then we find out that there's the, he is favored in the Jewish, in the Jewish uh, elders, which literally basically run a synagogue, which is, uh, which is crazy in itself. So um, uh, we're gonna read this little section again. When the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent to him elders of the Jews, asking him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly, saying, He is not worthy, or he is worthy to have you do this for him, for he loves our nation, and he is the one who built us our synagogue. The Jewish elders love the centurion for his works that he did for them. We have this centurion is honored among people that could have been his enemies. Pretty crazy. So we come to this next part where we find another uniqueness about this soldier. He sends his friends out to meet Jesus with these exact words. When he was not far from the house, the centurion sent uh, his friends saying, Lord, do not trouble yourself for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore, I, didn't, I did not presume to come to you. But say the word and let my servant be healed. For I too am a man under authority 
with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. And, uh, and I say to the other, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. This is one of the most powerful statements from this Roman soldier whom we must remember that he is to worship the emperor and the Roman government. The centurion loved his servant enough to seek out Jesus and his friends enough to send them out to find him. He has a firm grasp of Jesus and he has shared it with his friends when they were willing to risk everything to go out and find Jesus to say these bold words that the centurion had said to Jesus. Now let's break it down. What the first word he said uh, was, Lord. Lord. For a person like this, this is treason in the Roman culture. This is absolute treason. You will go to the death. You will be disbarred. You'll everything. This Roman soldier, whom had probably seen Jesus earlier in his ministry, earlier in Jesus' ministry in Capernaum, is now calling him Lord. His friends follow up this statement with talking about how he is not worthy of coming into his roof. He knew the power of Jesus and that he could, he could just say the word and the healing of his, of his nearly dead servant would be healed. So there are three observations that this Roman centurion had about Jesus. He is Lord, he is worthy, and he has power. He is Lord, he is worthy, and he has power. He knew the real title of Jesus. This shows his worthiness. Then he knew his power and how, and how great this power is on this earth. Now... Jesus marveled at his faith, not his works that other bragged on. Do we find our worth through works for God or in our faith to him and in him? Now, we come to my favorite part of this. Jesus marveled. This is my favorite, and we'll, we'll get into it. Um, so we, we figured out, this centurion figured out one of the greatest things when he called Jesus Lord. And he loved his servant and sought out Jesus in, even when he could be killed for treason. That it, this has vexed people for years. For, this has vexed a lot of people at New Mexico State. And this is um, a great, one of my, uh, my go-to quotes from a guy named F.W. Borum. He says this. The greatest hour in a man's life is the hour in which he spurns the idol of the tribe, doing of what everyone, everybody else does, the idol of the cave, doing what is agreeable to him, the idol of the marketplace, doing what pays best for him, and the idol of the theater, the doing of, which, of that which does not reflect the real and genuine self, and stands an honest, sincere, penitent idolater, and the august presence of the holiest of all. This is a picturesque representation of what this centurion did. So we have come to this moment, and this is a great moment. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him 
and turning to the crowd that followed him said, and said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such great faith. Before we get into these words, let's just think about what is written in Luke. Let's just think about it. It's crazy. Jesus marveled at this Roman centurion. The only other time that Jesus marveled in wonder wasn't good. And Mark 6, 5 through 6, it says, And he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went about among the villages teaching. So, those are the only two times when Jesus marveled. Now, I want you to picture with me that Jesus, our Lord, God became man. That he marveled in a positive way toward this Roman centurion. Can you picture with me? Here are two questions we have to ask ourselves tonight. Do you marvel at Jesus? And do you think... God marvels at your faith. He then says this, I tell you not, not even in Israel have I found such faith. Think about this statement. Jesus doesn't say things whimsically or adds hyperbole like we sometimes do. Jesus had been searching for men that had the amount of faith that this centurion including his disciples, including the Pharisees and the Jewish people in the synagogue. He had been searching for it. So, and this is why. He had been searching for a person that embodied the two great commandments. In Matthew 22, 37 through 38, it says, and he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The centurion embodied these two, two great commandments, even though he might have not known it. He trusted Jesus to heal his servant, no matter if he had seen him or not but just to find him and share the need and trust that his words will heal him. And he loved his servant enough when he was about to die to seek out Jesus whom he loved and sought out his Lord for he knew his power. Pretty cool. This centurion, whenever I was reading this, reminded me of this this story. Uh, Reminded me of this person actually. a guy named David Robinson. Uh, he, was a gr- or he is a great basketball player who once had a quadruple double, which means 34 points, 10 rebounds, 10 blocks, and 10 assists, which there's only like four or five people ever in basketball that's ever done that. So, but this is not what actually, like these stats and stuff don't make me like him. But it is these things that he said at the Hall of Famer enshrinement that in my mind, put him above Michael Jordan. He was a leader of men who didn't focus on himself, but others. Most importantly, he said this at the close of his Hall of Fame speech, which I highly recommend you look up. 
I have been reading this story in Luke about the 10 lepers that are healed by Jesus and only one comes back and says, thank you. And I want to say, thank you, God, for everything. And he finishes with this. And my prayer is that he will walk with you as he has walked with me all my life. When we live a life, a live a life filled with faith and trust in the Lord, even in the hard times in which we don't feel his presence, it is a rewarding life for he will give us the strength needed to keep fighting. Trust God even when we don't feel him. Trust God even when we don't feel him. When we keep fighting and keep trusting in him, there will also be some really awesome celebrations. Celebrations quite like the celebration that must have happened when the centurion's servant was healed. Can you think of that celebration? Man, the celebration must have been contagious as his servant who was incredibly loved was healed and the centurion's faith was proven correct. Now, for us, we want to be a Christ-centered group filled with celebration, right? We love to have, we love to party, we love to rejoice with each other. So here is what we're gonna do. What we're gonna do is this. We are gonna write down one thing that we haven't trusted in Jesus to do in our life. One, to keep for yourself and write down another time for the person that's discipling you. I want you to think and envision something that you think the Lord can do that you haven't trusted him fully yet to do. And if you can't see the Lord doing this, then start smaller. Your job then is to begin to trust God in this. And your friend will hold you accountable to it. I know that's scary, but it's so rewarding. We want you all to trust God even when you don't feel it, you don't feel him, or don't see it happening the way you think it is, the way you think it should be, which I'm just going to tell you firsthand, God works in ways that we don't think he would, think we should work. And so tonight, get a sheet of paper. I also have sticky notes that you can take and you can write on and keep. So um, we're going to pray and we're going to let God seek our hearts and hopefully we can trust them greater. So join with me in prayer. Thank you, God, for being so good and so worthy to worship even when we feel you not. May your Holy Spirit come into us and come make us new again and help us to trust you more and more with our lives. Speak to us, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.